0: You'll
2: find us here uh, moving iron.
1: Right. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Ridge Ag Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. He's nice stuff to come on and talk about. It's happening in the marketplace. So Chip, how you doing, Bud? Doing well, Casey. It's uh, it's been a little while since we
2: talked, but a lot going on.
1: A lot of stuff happening. So let's let's talk about the wheat market here real quick. Um, we've got some rains coming through the high plains and down through the through the uh, Midwest where some wheat really needed to drink, maybe too little too late, I guess, to talk about what's happening there. We got the grain corridor thing coming up again, which I think the key thing with that is from what I read and what I understand is, is uh, if uh, Erdogan gets reelected in Turkey, that probably will happen. If not, you know, it, it's kind of hanging in the, hanging in the wind there, but, Ukraine's also said, if you guys don't open that up, we got plenty other ways we can get our grain out of the country. Which I don't, I don't really know what that, what that means. So, I guess Chip, lot of stuff going on in the wheat market. I guess looking at the wheat market, what are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, uh, Casey, I think you hit the nail on the head. I've told some people this here within the last week or ten days. As mu- as much as this scares me, um, I think the fate of the entire grain market kind of rests on wheat. And um, you know, this wheat market trades on its own. It always has. 30 years uh, or more wheat is its own animal it is it just trades differently it's got a different uh, mindset different brain different psychology and uh, it doesn't always make a lot of sense highly political uh, we grow wheat on every uh, i mean other than an article basically everywhere in the world and so uh, it is a very world political crop and, and i think you hit the nail on the head that um the wheat market uh has obviously a lot going on right now And I think it's the key, um, to the entire market here and, you know, so much going on, you know, first and foremost, you mentioned some rains coming through some real dry areas, obviously beneficial for some spring crops. I think it's too little, too late, uh, for the wheat. It's almost adding insult to injury. You know I mean? That thing's uh, what two year drought, basically maybe longer, uh, you know, struggled through the entire, uh, winter and early spring, you know, couldn't buy a rain. And now the rain finally comes, but I, I think it's doing, uh, little, if anything to the wheat crop to some producers, um, kind of in that Texas panhandle area, got some great rain. It's helping some, you know, the corn crop that just got planted, but I don't think it's doing anything to the wheat. I think it's dead. Um, and I think the wheat market, the Kansas city wheat market might be tipping us off, right? It's holding together. Okay. It's set back with these rains. Anytime there's rain in the forecast or rain on the on the radar, uh it's hard for a market to go higher and, and it's easy for a market to sell off even if it's not doing anything. So once these rains clear out, you got the Kansas wheat uh, tour that's starting here in about a week, and I think when you get boots on the ground in the field uh and checking some of these yields and the potential of some of these fields in Kansas, I think it's going to be a real wake up uh for the wheat market uh, across the world. Um I think you look at the spreads and what the Kansas City wheat uh, market has done. You know, essentially your record um record premium of the kansas city wheat over chicago and and the structure of this thing is the wheat market in chicago it has most of the world volume kansas city market is a much smaller market it's more fundamentally and commercially driven and the funds have a massive basically a record short position built up in the chicago market so i think the way it could work out is you get the kansas wheat tour going if it confirms what i think it's going to and that is disastrous yields. I mean, worse probably than even what the market thinks. Um, You get the Kansas City market continuing to rally. I think it's going to drag the Chicago with it because there has to be some relationship there. Um, And and as it drags the Chicago market higher, I think it'll spur the funds to come out of some shorts (laughs) and produce a nice rally. Now, what confuses it even more is the things you're mentioning about uh, Russia the Black Sea, um, you know, Grain Corridor Agreement. <clears throat> this election in Turkey, uh, Russia has uh, seemed to have uh, taken a page right out of uh, the Chinese playbook. Probably got a lot of help. They probably uh, were given the playbook uh, by China, uh, translated into Russian, so it would be even easier for them to understand. And so they're manipulating the market without question. Um, they're playing this Black Sea Agreement a little bit uh, to their advantage. The Black Sea Agreement in general is more advantageous to Russia than it is uh, Ukraine because Russia uses the Black Sea to put their wheat out. They had a big wheat crop. Uh, they've got, uh, uh, you know, maybe not, um, you know, it's just a weird thing because stocks are, are are fairly tight across the world. But right now, about the only person or only country that has exportable supplies is Russia. Uh, Ukraine has some. But so Russia's been, uh, you know, playing this thing masterfully. Um, they've also hinted at, you know, the potential that well, maybe we might want to use some of our big wheat stocks that we're putting out to the rest of the world below market value. They're not even supposed to be trading in the world, right? N- right. No matter if it's wheat, crude oil, yeah. But exactly. yeah, we know how this goes, right? Sure. There's crude yeah. oil flowing everywhere in the world. There's wheat flowing there. There's everything that uh, they have natural resources. They're still getting it out to the world just at a discount. Uh, kind of on the black market and, you know, a wink, wink, nod, nod. We don't know. Oh, there, here's a ship of crude oil that, uh, you know, has someone else's flag on it and we know where it came from. So Russia's kind of playing that political game too and, and manipulating the market a little bit. It it wouldn't shock me if eventually, uh, A, the Black Sea Agreement um, goes away. That would help put uh, a little bit of a floor and, and some premium back in the wheat market. Uh, or, they agree to it, but then Russia says, you know what, uh, we really need to keep some of these stocks internally, make sure we've got enough domestically so our, our wheat and flour prices don't go through the roof, hold some of that uh, wheat off the world market, and there's a dollar rally right there. And then suddenly, you know, Russia, once your dollar, dollar and a half higher, they'll start slowly putting those intervention stocks back out on the market. So like it or not, uh, Russia is playing the the Chinese playbook very well right now, and they're trying to manipulate as best they can uh, the wheat market. And um, you know, through all that, um, you know, also part of the Chinese playbook, they play the futures market too. So it wouldn't shock me if uh, some shell of a shell of a shell of a shell company uh, is taking big positions in uh, you know wheat on a daily basis. Uh, oh, we get news that the Black Sea agreement is back on. Oh, 48 hours later it's back off. It's not going to happen. And you're seeing these massive moves in wheat. And uh try not to be a conspiracy guy, but uh, just wouldn't shock me that uh, you know, somewhere along the way the uh, uh, the Putin regime is you know benefiting from these big moves uh, in wheat and because they can control the narrative and the and the news flow temporarily and you've seen massive swings. At the heart of it though, to be even more long-winded, Casey, he asked the question, and you could have went for a coffee and made a pot. And uh, but I think at the heart of it, huh. the wheat crop here in the United States. Once we start harvest here, uh, and it's going to be here sooner rather than later because of the drought. Um, I just something in the, in the back of my head and my gut tells me that this wheat crop uh, in in the South, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, going to be worse than expected, and it's still going to produce. Um, a, a rally. And if that happens to be on the heels of some sort of news out of Russia, Ukraine, Black Sea, you could get an explosive rally. And, and that's going to spill over. It's going to help the corn market, no matter what the crop size is. There's still spreads going on between, you know, corn and beans, corn and wheat, uh, probably wheat and beans to a lesser extent. And so beans, even though they're really not related to corn, wheat, or a feed grain it's going to kind of affect that too so as as much as i shudder to say this i think the wheat market going forward the next couple months two three months really could be something that um you know is the key to the to our entire grain market and uh you know that's a scary position to be in when you're relying on the wheat market to kind of provide direction because uh a lot of people uh have given the the wheat market the nickname of sybil do you remember that was that uh you know, nine personality, uh, right. Crazy, crazy market. So, yep. Yep. Um, let's hit on, um,
1: energy market here just real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. But as you're looking at oil, oil can't seem to get past 72 and it can't seem to get or get under 72 and can't get past 78. So when you're looking at, at that oil market right now, with that kind of sloppy trade back and forth, what what kind of what's what's that indicating to you? I guess.
2: Well, um, boy, you hit me with just enough caffeine, and uh, the, the, it's really humid out today. We're gonna get a storm. Uh, something's happening in the tin foil, my, the metal plate in my head. Uh, somewhere in the Biden administration, they uh, they probably didn't get the playbook from China and Russia, but they're building their own. So you know, you got this whole strategic reserve thing. Right. Um, you know, inflation. Obviously, one of the major drivers of uh, the entire inflation basket is energies. It's hard to get away from. Not, not, a lot of people don't understand this. We Obviously, they understand we, if we want to drive somewhere, we got to go to the gas station, go to Casey's, fill her up. I hate that. I don't like paying that. But also, uh, everything else, from the clothes we wear, the shoes we wear, the stuff we put our uh, leftovers in in the fridge, you cannot escape crude oil in their energy markets. A lot of people don't understand that. Somewhere along, uh, somewhere in the EPA or the uh, administration at a high level, they understand that, hey, we've got a problem with inflation. And uh, one of the big ways to tame this is let's keep energy costs lower. So we've got the strategic reserve that's supposed to be used for situations that uh, were threatened, like an invasion or war, that type situation. Let's use that, pump some market, pump some crude oil out on the free market and bring energy prices down. On the one hand this big giant shell game we'll tell people we're going to refill this thing you know we know we need this for strategic purposes strategic purposes not necessarily meaning to tame inflation so we can keep the current administration happy and you know get the votes in our back pocket um so we'll tell people that you know once crude oil dips we're going to buy it on the world market uh you know futures market take delivery refill this strategic reserve sounds great they've had two chances to have. Essentially, the trade of a lifetime, like the best single trade ever in the history of markets since they started in the 1200s trading rice on forward contracts in Japan had two chances to do this. Uh, they started selling this stuff in the, in the 80s. They could have bought it in the low 70s. And most recently, we dipped under 70 into the 60s. So that kind of puts a floor under it because they the market has been told, hey, we get down to the low 70s, the U.S. government's going to come in and be the backstop by this thing because they've sold all these hundreds of millions of, of barrels out of the strategic reserve. So we get a nice rally. We get a $10, 11 rally back up in the upper 70s. And then we, we come out and here after the fact, hey, not only did we not make the trade uh, of the lifetime, could have made billions upon billions of dollars for the U.S. taxpayer. Uh, we don't want to do that we're not going to refill the reserve. We're actually going to put some more out on the market because we got to keep inflation coming down. And so again, highly political market, maybe more political, slightly more political than the wheat market is the energy markets. That's my, my take on it is that uh, we're, we're kind of caught and trapped now by the U S government. in? uh, are we going to refill the strategic reserve? Or are we going to put more out right now? It looks like we're going to put more out. They're using it as a, uh, You know, a vote-getting mechanism. It's going to cap the market. But at the same time, all these things underneath it, OPEC's cutting. um, Chinese demand slowly fits and starts. They're kind of trying to prop their economy up. Uh, And what's going to happen is this thing's going to backfire. And we're going to have less of a supply here. We're not allowing drilling. OPEC's really going to be um, in charge. They always are. Uh, I don't think uh, they Currently like the US administration much, if they ever have, no matter who's in there. And at the end of the day, we're going to wake up, uh, likely at some point in the very near future and see $90 crude oil again and $5 gasoline. And it's going to be as a direct result of um some of the actions uh, out of Washington. So I think you're going to continue to see choppy stuff. Unfortunately, this still is very much tied to our grain markets because of, you know, renewable diesel, ethanol, uh, all the things that uh our agricultural markets are tied to the crude oil market specifically. So it's going to have a direct, a direct impact. I, I think that um it's kind of a control mechanism. I, I think we're in a sweet spot. I think they know that whoever that they is it could be Washington, it could be OPEC combination. Um you know somewhere here in the upper 60s to mid seventies probably is the spot they would like it to be. Um you know if we dip into the low 60s upper 50s it probably means there's a like a 2008 type general slowdown in the economy in the world that's not a good thing. If we go up into the 80s 90s obviously that's going to kind of restart inflation and you know nobody wants that that's uh, in current uh, political pyre, power. So probably the sweet spot to me is you know kind of where we've been trading in a very choppy range upper 60s low 70s everybody can kind of uh Live there, producers, consumers. It's probably not high enough for OPEC. It's probably not low enough for the consumer. Um, you know, guy putting filling up his tank. But um, it it can probably be livable for everybody. And so I would kind of use that as seventy to seventy five is kind of your sweet spot value zone. And uh, you dip much below there, you probably start hearing some news and news stories to get it propped up. And if you get much up over eighty, you're going to start hearing the opposite. The problem is, it is a, it's a commodity, right? There's a supply and demand, and whenever you try to manipulate a market, it always backfires. Eventually, you can't do it. You got to let free market forces work, and the more you try to manipulate a market, the more it's going to blow up in your face eventually. So, uh, when you're controlling the supply, especially when you have OPEC who aren't really friendly to anyone but themselves um and they have the biggest power over the supply the risk i see going forward over the next 12 months is higher it's probably good for the farmer right 90 dollar crude oil gets ethanol cranking and renewable diesel cranking right um but that's not very good for the consumer and i'm afraid that's where the the uh, the risk is 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 not 50 dollars it's more like 90 dollars Right. Yep. All right, Chip. Good stuff as usual, folks. I'm Casey, rich. I'm telling you, I've had too much caffeine today. I'm. I, I apologize. I. Uh, you asked me two questions. You Usually, ask me a bunch of questions. I'm just long-winded. And uh, man, it's good something. Answers, Something's man. in the air, man. They were good. They were good answers, though, Chip. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know about that. I probably just got on. If you're gonna put this out to the public, I would guess probably on about 19 more lists than I started an hour ago, and I was already on a few. Uh, you and me both. So that'd be fine.
1: So. Hey, let's get on some together. That's right. There we go. Have a party that way.
2: As long as it's as long as not the no-fly list.
1: I don't want on that one. I, I need to be on that one. Yeah, I don't want to be on that one. All right, man. Well, appreciate you being on the podcast, Chip. Hey, thanks for having me on, Casey. If folks want to reach out to you. What's the best way to do it?
2: Yeah, best way is just uh, call our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, love chatting with people about uh, the markets and the risk management plan and uh, just in general. So don't, don't hesitate to give us a call.
1: Right on, man. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go to the YouTube channel. See the video version of this at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out. Go, Moving Iron Summit is coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Be one of the first 150 people to to register for that, and you'll get a fifty dollar discount from the good folks over at Axon. So. Uh, For everything Moving Iron related, go to MovingIronLLC.com, and you can find all the information for all the stuff I just talked about there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellier. It's going to be smart, folks. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit Axontire.com.